Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. First century, doing something mean to it, do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it, scream from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero don't need the same music. No one man should have all that power. The clock ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. I'm not going to lie, Mike, it's going to be a tough show, but we're going to get through it. Here we go, 60 seconds. One bleeds red, and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. let's go! On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, with your host, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike.
Princeton plays a, a different type of game, and uh, they were able to sneak it out at the end. So, uh, you know, it wasn't like I was, uh, you know, pounding my fist against my chest going, yeah, 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 you know, great win, great win. But it was a great win. You know, and, and at this stage of the tournament, you uh, you survive and advance. And uh, Louisville didn't do that. And uh, to be honest with you, I think it's kind of funny because the Patino and his car salesman bull crap, uh, it, it's going to work for a while. It might work next year because they're going to be really locked and loaded come next year. But I am, uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm thrilled to death that Louisville is sitting on the sideline, whether Kentucky wins or loses tomorrow against West Virginia. I am so thrilled that Louisville is sitting on the sideline and watching Moorhead beat Richmond and go to the Sweet 16. Yeah, look, I'm not going to be able to take it tonight, Mike. There's only so much I can take, to be honest with you. I've got a Kentucky fan on the air with me. I would normally hang up on the caller and move on to the next caller, but you are the caller. Oh, hey, hey, so you hey, do hey. have take, take, it or, take it or leave it. I mean, I'm just laying on the line. Look, look, you're, you're down there. You're in the thick of the, the heart of the bluegrass. You hear all the Louisville Kentucky radio. And, and look, you guys beat a Princeton team, an Ivy League team. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, you, you you easily clearly got the better draw than we did. We got we ran into a, a just a perfect storm of uh, of things there. I'm not going to get into the excuses. I love the Cardinals. They had a great year. They 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 played a fantastic you, year, and, I, and I'm and I'm happier. Uh, you know. For okay. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that because when I got on uh, Facebook last night, I I looked and there was only one of my Facebook friends that are UofL Cardinal fans that posted something. All of, I mean, it was like, it was like cricket, Bill. I mean, it, it was like you could go out and on a summer night and hear nothing but crickets. Nobody wanted to post anything. One of my friends said, thank you, Preston Nose, for playing your ass off, playing hard. Thank you. A great season. Uh, I'm going to enjoy St. Patrick's Day and this and that. Nobody else said anything. None of the UofL fans were like, hey, man, you know, we gave it all we could. I mean, it was almost like it was shut down mode. Yeah, well, look, we, uh, that's not the case. You you don't visit the uh, the Cardinal fan message boards like I do. They were, they were definitely there showing their support. They were met there meeting them at the airport. Uh, a lot of support for this team. I don't want to hear any back talk, any lip from any nasty, dirty, rotten, Hold-up Kentucky fans tonight. I can't take it. I won't take it. I won't have any of it. It's over. It's done. It's through with. I'm moving on to uh, bigger and better things. We've got uh, Kendall Cadillac on the show tonight from FootballDieHards.com. He's going to debut the um, 2011 fantasy player rankings, the fantasy manager rankings uh, for for this past year. We're going to have him on in just a minute. Uh, Obviously, if you have uh, questions, you want to email the show, the RVB inbox is at redblueradio at gmail.com. And we do stream live over at fsc.fm, the fantasy sports channel.com. Mark Ronick and the guys streaming fantasy information to you guys live 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's, it's an absolutely incredible thing, really, when you think about it, that this business, this industry has came this far, Mike. Uh, yep. I'm joined by my big blue Carlos from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent, obviously enjoying Big Blue Nation. Uh, you know what? So, so let's move on, Mike. There's a lot of news going on in the NFL. Obviously, this uh, this lockout is still uh, is, is going on. You've got uh, uh, this 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 crazy stuff going on that I, I, I we had Jeff Pasquino on the show last week. You did a great job uh, when you finally got well, him on and letting him get involved. It, it, it's really a mess, though. You've got uh, you've got the decertification, then you got the renunciation, steps to block the lockdown, the, all this legal stuff that we shouldn't even be involved with, but we are, Mike, and it's happening. And now the decision tree is out on the NFL. Should they move forward with the deal? Should they terminate? Does the CBA framework drive the decision? It's just all kinds of stuff that we shouldn't have to be involved with. And we've got guys that are counting on this business, the NFL to move forward um, and because they've got jobs on the line. It's really a yeah. bad state of affairs. It's a very tough situation, and uh, I appreciate you uh, saying something about uh, Jeff and last week's show. 
you know, I I, I want to personally thank Jeff for uh, you know bailing me out pretty much uh, and helping me out on the show. Uh, it worked out. Uh, it worked out fine. Uh, but uh, you, there's a lot of things that that needs to happen. But I don't think it's going to happen, Scott. Uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna see a draft, an NFL draft, prime time in April, where the draft is going to happen. And uh, but I don't think there's going to be very many players that are going to show up for that draft. And it's it's an unfortunate situation, uh, but we we have to move forward as uh, dynasty owners. Uh, as as the whole industry, so to speak, I mean, we have to move forward and hope that something will eventually uh, eventually happen. But I'm I'm really concerned right now, Scott. Yeah, uh, it's amazing how much the NFL generates nine point three billion dollars in revenue, but the players don't have proof why the league wants an additional one billion dollars. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a whole lot of money being discussed. Uh, conspiracies afloat, man, and and I don't want to, I don't want to go there really. I, I've got, uh, you know, we obviously have Amel coming on the show here in just a minute. We've got the Cardinals uh, and, and all of these teams that are in this draft. The Panthers are drafting at one. The Broncos are at two, um, and we're and we're looking at. Uh, Cam Newton, we're looking at Blaine Gatterer. We've got good quarterbacks to look at in this draft and, and, and possible franchise quarterbacks. And, you know, I'm looking at San Francisco, Mike. They, You know, you've got Jim Harbaugh, and, and who are they going to go with at quarterback in the future? They've got to make a real decision here coming up. Do they go with Cam Newton from Auburn or, or maybe Blaine Gatterer from Missouri? I mean, he worked out the other day and Harbaugh crazy for it. So, but but you've got right. Carson Palmer selling his house in Cincinnati. Maybe he ends up running the West Coast in, in, in San Fran. You've got Andy Reid with Kevin Cobb saying that they're listening for offers. you got McNabb, whose future is done in Washington. And then maybe you've still got Alex Smith. I don't know. This guy has more than nine lives. Or maybe it's somebody I, I we haven't even talked about. Yeah. You know, you're absolutely right. And uh, you throw in uh, Miami Dolphins, who uh, they need a quarterback in the most desperate ways. I mean, are they going to be able to uh, settle with Chad Henney? You know, they're looking for a quarterback as well. A quarterback or a dime a dozen. I, I made a trade today for uh, Colt McCoy because of the fact that uh, I'm going to bank on there being a season next year. But if there is not, then I feel like a, a kid like Colt McCoy is going to be uh, fine the year after that and moving forward. So, uh, you know, Quarterbacks are a diamond dozen in this league, so uh, you never know what's going to happen with that. We got a good chat room. Uh, the crew here at Red versus Blue, we affectionately refer to the chat room. Uh, some of the best minds in high stakes fantasy football: uh, Kirk Osborne, uh, Rich McClellan, Dave Gerzak, Lance Turbies. Uh, we've got Alex Kaganowski, John Duckworth, Wayne Ellis. The list goes on and on. I'm going to bring in Emil Cadlick of FootballDieHards.com. He looks like he's logged into the program. And Emil, it is a pleasure to have you again on Red vs. Blue. Welcome back, my friend. My pleasure. Great to be on the show. Thank you very much, Emil. Mike, uh, you've already been acquainted with Emil from last yep. year. Yep. How you doing, Emil? Doing well, Mike. Despite all this crazy CBA stuff. Uh, isn't that the truth? <laughs> well, listen, Emil, you can chime in here. We're talking about uh, the quarterbacks in this draft. Uh, before we get to your uh, fancy player manager rankings that we've been wanting to uh, debut on our program, uh, I was reading ESPN analyst Todd McShay, and he was at Gabbard's Pro Day, and he came away real impressed with Gabbard, uh, this Missouri kid. I-, I look at his stats, and, I mean, I know he's got the uh, the accuracy. He's 6'5", 235, prototypical quarterback. But he had a down year last year, coming off a very good uh, prior season to that. 3,100 yards, 16 touchdowns, nine picks. I'm looking at the stats. It's not all that. But Todd McShay, who's a pretty good analyst at this type of thing, I'm not the guy that analyzes players. I just kind of watch what the coaches do. And he likes him. And, you know, you've got the Panthers at one, the Broncos maybe at two, and the Bills at three. And even Arizona at five that might be looking at a quarterback, and you've got to choose between Gabbard and Newton, and Gabbard's more accurate and flat-out smarter with the X's and O's. What's your take? You, you have a comment on this? 
Well, I think one thing we got to recognize, if you go back a few years ago when it was Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers, when it was the big argument was who was going to go number one, and then Rodgers ended up the 25th pick of the first round, and look what's got, what's look what's happened in the last three years. Uh, you know, how they finished their last year in college doesn't have as isn't as important as you think it is, and that's a perfect example. Now, if, if you know they could trade down too, they don't have to go in the top five if they want to take the less popular, quote unquote, popular player. So I think a lot may happen on draft day in those scenarios. We're talking with Emil Cadley from FootballDieHards.com. He's a guest of the program. We're going to be talking about the uh, the 2011 Fantasy Manager rankings. But right now, we're looking at this early part of the draft, trying to figure out what some of these teams are going to do. Cam Newton, uh, Blaine Gabbert. And we've got Jake Locker, which the Vikings at 12 seem kind of locked in on Locker from what I'm hearing. But then again, you've got the Bengals, too. I mean, you've got a lot of uh, of teams that are needing a quarterback, and San Francisco is one of them. And Jim Harbaugh is not going to – I mean, the West Coast offense is a tricky one. Maybe Kevin Cobb can step in, Cincinnati's Carson Palmer, Donovan McNabb. I'm giving you three names there, Emil. Which one of those do you think is a better fit for the Niners? Oh, man. I'm not really sure, you know. I mean, Carson Palmer has really kind of taken a he is, you know, he's fallen off after his injuries over the last few years. I don't know if he'd fit San Francisco that well. Maybe the other two would, you know. I I I perhaps uh Palmer would fit better in Arizona in my opinion. But you know what, what Mike was saying earlier, he said something like a dime a dozen for quarterbacks. I, I'm not sure if I understood. You know, the reason why these 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 NFL these college quarterbacks are looking at so high, it's hard. To, it's there's not that many quarterbacks in the NFL that are quality. That's why you got guys in their mid to late 30s playing at quarterback in the NFL and producing. It's hard to keep them, you know, and and uh, and have a quality quarterback. And it's obviously very important on a team. So that's why a lot of these guys are going so high in the drafts. You know, Emil, uh, one of the one of the reasons. Why I say that it's a dime a dozen, uh, it seems like a lot of quarterbacks, you know, they make their splash real quick, they fade off, and then there's a very few that come back. Could you see a Carson Palmer in a uh, Miami situation with Brandon Marshall? I'm not sure. I don't think so. But uh, it depends on how much money they want to spend in Miami. Uh you know, there's a lot of speculation to go there. You know, Palmer is, is falling off, but I mean, think about how it's ironic when you think about it because I didn't. He had some decent fantasy games, but he just seemed his accuracy seemed to be uh, be going away from him. But as soon as you say what's Cincinnati without him, you go, whoa, they have nobody. Nothing. And that's my right. point. It's that he may not be as good as he was, but <laughs> without him. They've got to find somebody, and if it's a rookie, you know, you, you can't really rely on rookies that much unless you get very lucky, which a few teams have. So that's yeah. the problem. That's the problem is just – and there's a lot of teams that have won the Super Bowl over the last, you know, five or ten years with an average quarterback, uh, you know, but – Ben Yeah, there's an excellent example, yeah. So, so yeah. the drop-off is huge. That's the problem, and then – Hard to, hard to, hard to. There's just not as many of them as, as there would, there should be, I guess. Yeah. Emil, we've also got other news in the NFL. I'm going to kind of bounce around here a little bit before we, uh, well, before we break out the rankings here. Tiki Barber appears to be making a comeback, and uh, I know this was kind of joked about, but it sounds like this guy is dead serious from everything he's saying. I mean, when, once you get to that age and you get up there, 35 years of age, I mean, Thomas Jones, I guess, has proven that you can still play. Uh, I'm sure he could fit into a role somewhere, the third down back, you know, a guy who could still catch the ball and go and, and go for some yards. But do you see anywhere that he could fit in, maybe as just a third down back, maybe the Dolphins, maybe the Patriots, or, I don't know, well, the Bengals really or something like that? that? Pardon? I haven't analyzed it that closely. Uh, but the guy, his last few years uh, that he was in the NFL was actually very durable. Uh, it sounds crazy to come back after this amount of time, but when you're broke, you know, you kind of – things change, and I guess he's kind of broke. You know, as as things progress here, there's always a position on a team, if he can actually play it, come into a, in a into a team with, you know, at the right salary, which I'm sure he'll take a lower salary, 
he could make an impact. But I mean, we'll know in, in preseason whether this guy really's got anything left. It's it's the the odds are against him, but he was very durable the last couple of years uh, before he retired. Mike, do you have a comment on Tiki Barber and a comeback? Yeah, you know, it, it seems like uh, it's a last desperate chance uh, uh, to come back and uh, make some money. Uh, I think he uh, there may be some financial issues uh, that he's dealing with, and, uh, you know, that's on him. Uh, whether he – I don't believe for any reason that he can make an impact on any team, whether it be – the fill-in for the uh, New England Patriots or, you know, whatever team. It's obviously not going to be the uh, the Giants, but uh, he could uh, – I don't think he can make an impact on any team at all. Well, you never know. That's what you've uh, – that's what we've got this uh, – you know, that's what we've got shows like this for, to talk about Tiki Barber and Plaxico Burris coming back somewhere. Uh, the other interesting player that uh, is obviously got to go somewhere this year is Nandi Asamoa. And the, the reports were out that uh, Justin Tuck of the Giants plans to talk to him uh, about joining the G-Men. And I, I think that's just a formidable piece of a puzzle for the New York Giants. If you add a Nandi Asamoah to that team, Emil, don't you think that's uh, that's got to be a move that, that, that certainly puts them back in the playoffs? Man, that would be phenomenal. I, I don't know if they could pull it off, but they're, they were pretty good anyway. But that would be great. There's obviously everybody wants to play in New York. Maybe uh, maybe he can go with Rex Ryan, and uh, uh, maybe they can afford him. I don't know if Woody would write the check for that, but if they do re- release Cromartie and let him go, you've got uh, Revis on one side and Namdi on the other. Mike, that would be <laughs> probably the best. Uh, you know, corner situation in in the history of the National Football League. Oh no, that about it. It'd be dangerous. Uh, there, there's no way that uh, that any uh, offense would want to take on that kind of defense, uh, take on that kind of secondary. Uh, I mean, they'd be they'd be scared scared to death to go at them. But uh, you know, I, is it going to happen? I mean, that's that's the thing. Well, you know, we're having a little bit of fun here in the chat room, too. We, we started uh, kind of copying and pasting some of the uh, the latter names here off of your rankings, uh, Amal, and it's already Uh-oh. turning up uh, the chat room is growing here. Um, we're, we're kind of, uh, you know, you've obviously got, uh, oh, I don't know, how many, how many names we got on here? We've got about a, a history here. Let's let's go ahead and jump right into the fantasy player rankings. Uh, Amal, you've worked really hard on these over the years. You've tweaked this ranking system out. Uh, I'll go ahead and recap what you told us last year, a little bit about the methodology behind it. I see 3,200-some-odd names here uh, that, that are listed in this day, so it's very extensive, and it's across a lot of different platforms. So I'll go ahead and give you the floor and tell the listeners okay. about this ranking system. Well, it's high stakes, obviously. It's uh, taking data all the way back to 2002 when the WCFS started. So it's a total. It's a total records. We have the WCFF, NFFC, FFBC, the FFOC, the NBC, Primetime, AFFL, and Payday, of all the data that we pulled and put together, and we we correlate each contest with basically the entry fee multiplied by the uh, number of entries. And you know, there's got to be a way to try and correlate the systems, and that's the way we've chosen to do it. And then we give points for regular season performance, and we give points for point season performance. And uh, you know, I'd say obviously those we're trying to reward somebody who's done well in the regular season who didn't make the playoffs. But if you make the playoffs, obviously you get a little bit more. And then, of course, how well you do in the playoffs definitely makes a big difference. On an overall, you know, obviously you finish the top five of a major contest. That's pretty significant. So that's it in a nutshell on how we put it together. So we. We we not normalize all the data with the reference point of entry fee times the number of entrants, and then put all the data together and sum it all up and see see how it ranks. And that's the way to do it. This is a high stakes competition. Uh, this is a high stakes rankings. We're not playing any kid games here. This is the best of the best. And the thing that I came away with very impressed as I was watching the season unfold is you had your rankings that you debuted on our program last year, 
And so I sat there and very carefully watched these names that you had up at the top. And it was amazing to me that as the year went on, those same names up at the top last year, guess what? They were right back at the top all throughout the season last year as well. And that told me more than anything, this is a game of skill more than luck. Luck is involved. It is an element. But it takes a very uh, skillful drafter to compete in these high-stakes leagues and to uh, win on draft day. Yeah, certainly this cumulative ranking shows that. When you you see Dave Gerzak, uh, he, he he went from like two to five this year, and I'm sure he's probably not very happy looking at it right now. But we had people like uh, Chad Schroeder, who's consistent and had a great year. Hawk and Roll had a good year. Root Rozick had a good year. Then uh, Kimra, uh, Kimra, you know, in, indie hitters. So she came out of nowhere and finished third and ninth in the WCFF, and she had a she had a she was in the top forty already, and she jumped into the top five. There's a lot of people that are consistent, and I think that's like you're saying that's very important. And these people aren't just lucky; they're consistent. They are not they are not fun to play against because <laughs> they win. Yeah, it, it was not uh, it was not a fun uh, fun experience uh, at the World Championship that past year. Looking across the table and seeing so many uh, familiar names: Dave Gerzak and John Culligan and uh, Don Thompson, to name a few. Uh, you know, I like I like how your ranking system works here. Let's go ahead and pick one of those names here. We've got uh, I threw at you Don Thompson. Let's go ahead and look him up and tell me what you saw from Don Thompson. Uh, this past year, he was a very tough competitor, and uh, right there to the very end in our in our league, I think he placed second. I placed third in the league. Is this the WCFF league? Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he made the playoffs in League Ten and finished 96 overall this this last year. He had two teams in the WCFF, and and also he uh, finished 23rd in the FFPC overall. So those are two. You know, very good finishes. The guy's been he's been playing since '06, as far as in these well, actually '04 in the high stakes contests. I don't know where he's in the total. I haven't looked over to see where his total ranking is, but he did have a very good year. There's another name I see from the very beginning here. I just posted him in the chat room. James Nicola, N I C O L A, pickpocket. Uh, uh, fantastic gentleman to speak with. Has been in it from the very beginning. Uh, WCFF, and I believe he played the FFPC this past year as well uh, for the for uh, the first first time. I, he might have been at the year before, uh, but to see him uh, high in the rankings every year, he's a he's a fierce competitor. How did James do this past year? Let's see, uh, James Nicola, one of my buds. I think I played against him. I forget what the last league we he's. Oh yeah, we played in the same league at the FF. PC and he is a, he's fun to play against. He is a tiger. He ended up uh let's see what did he do? He didn't really make the playoffs from what I can tell in the and in, in the uh WCOF or the uh, FFPC this year. So he probably was disappointed, but he was very competitive. He just just didn't quite make it. Yeah, Real his, close his to resume the FFPC. His resume and body of work uh has certainly been impressive over the years. Uh, some and he, guys he's just 43rd have that. Over, he's 43rd overall in the in the uh, rankings, high stake rankings, which is phenomenal. Yeah, really. yeah, 40, 43rd overall out of out of uh, all these thousands of names. Uh, you know, just some of these guys just have a knack for picking the right guys. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. At the end of the day, you know, you need a you don't have to have a completely deep draft where you're picking all these sleepers and you're good at all that. I mean, that works in dynasty, sure, but. You know, more than anything, you need four or five guys. You need five guys to really rock the house all year and get you into the playoffs, and that's when you'll have a chance. And, and you know, uh, he has a he has a way of uh, has a way of getting there. Yeah, he's also a pretty. Uh, he's a very. Uh, he's a shark at uh, auction. He's a very aggressive auction player. I played a couple times against him. He's not fun. He really he really makes you pay for players. Now, it also looks like, from looking at the rankings, he had four teams in 2009 and four teams in 2010. Talk about how that would – does that give you more chances to succeed in your rankings? Obviously, I mean, you're putting up more money. You should yeah, have we, more chances, right? 
Yeah, we, we don't do any discrimination if you are going to play more than one team. We figure if you're putting the money in and you're, you know, you're taking the risk with your money. So we just add them all up. So if somebody's got four teams and they, they do well, or it's, it all adds up. So, yes, it does help them. You know, there's people talk about, well, they should be penalized. And maybe that's a thought we'll think about down the road. But my attitude is if you're putting the money in, you're taking the risk, you know, you got four teams. I mean, that's just that's – just, we're just going to add the data up. Yeah, I agree. We're listening to Emil Cadillac. Uh, Emil's on the show tonight from footballdiehards.com. If you haven't checked out his Facebook page, we will put a link to it on our uh, our chat room here in a second. Now, K.J. Duke is another player that really I saw everywhere last year. I mean to tell you what, he was in my FFPC league. He was up at the top of the leaderboard in WCFF and FFPC. He's always doing well in NFFC league. He plays baseball. He's all over the place. This guy has been climbing up the rankings. Where, where is where is KJ at now? And uh, man, I, I want to go pull him up right now just to see the type of ride that he's been on. Well, he is 27th overall in the, uh, the wow. rankings, and which is being darn good. And I, looking at his data, he didn't really start playing the high stakes in, until 08. But yeah. uh, he finished. Check this out. NFFC finished sixth this year. And the WCFF, he finished 11th. And he has been, uh, yeah, he's done pretty well. He finished uh, 19th in the uh, NBC uh, uh, two years ago, 15th last year or two years ago. Well, actually, yeah, two years ago in the NFFC. So in a short period of time, he's done quite well. Uh, 27th in, uh, since 08 is phenomenal to be a 27th yeah, in, the, see, in the high stakes ranking. Yeah, to see him put up two back-to-back Top fifteen, uh, a top fifteen last year in the FFPC, and now a number six performance overall, a top ten in FFPC. Yeah. That's back to back years in, in that championship. Uh, that that's re- yeah, and a, and a top eleven in the world championship. So there, there's another yeah. name. That's uh, eleven that just, out of eight hundred and seventy six people. That's uh, pretty darn good. I'd be happy. Yeah. Now here's yeah, another name that, that I find. Go ahead. Here's another here's another name, April, that I find very interesting when I'm looking at these rankings. Uh, number 21 overall, Alex Kaganowski, uh, aka Rounders. Uh, he is the uh, one of the co-owners of the Fantasy Football Players Championship, and the reason why I find that fascinating is simply because these guys um, don't have the amount of opportunities that the rest of us do. They can't play the FFPC, so for him to be ranked 21st overall without being able to play one of the major competitions in the industry is pretty darn impressive. Yeah, and he's he's a he's a guy who he's a lifer in the WCFF, you know, since 02 and he hasn't played in multiple events either, so he doesn't play two or three teams. So, you know, that actually, you know, that quote unquote hurts him. But he's finished 13th in the in the WCFF in 06. He's had uh four playoff runs and he also finished 38th in the NFFC a year ago. Finished 95th this last year in the WCFF, so he's got a well-rounded, uh, you know, portfolio there, and he's 21st overall, which is excellent. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I had a conversation with you uh, speaking about Alex's uh, individual teams. He's not playing multiple teams in these events. He's just he's yeah. taking one main event team and working it very hard uh, throughout the year. I had a conversation with you, Emil, earlier in the year, and we talked about this very same thing, and I said, you know, here I am managing multiple teams, and I find myself making mistakes. I'm making waiver mistakes. I'm putting in the wrong amounts and not calculating properly what the amount I'm going to have left, uh, because it lessens the amount of time you have to spend on each individual league when you have multiple leagues you're trying to manage. Now, I love it. I, 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 the, the thrill of, of having multiple chances at this thing just really excites me, but I do notice I'm not nearly as effective in the in-season management when it comes to uh, trying to make the playoffs. It, it's difficult, and, you know, I've seen I've seen people, you know, like uh, Alice Kaganowski who don't play a lot of the high stakes, and then you got a guy like Chad Schroeder who's uh, the third-ranked uh high stakes player in the world who played I don't know like a hundred different leagues last year but he he's got a team he's an organization and I find the same problem I played about 12 leagues last year uh maybe uh, like two or three that were high stakes and I I, I'm over the hill I mean I I can't really 
do what I really need to do. And that's the decision you have to make. Are you you have to decide if if you have to play less or if you just enjoy playing that many with the realization that you really can't give it the time you need to give it. But those are the choices you have to make or get some people to help you. We're at number they 10 overall. <laughs> you and me both. We're at number 10 overall, Robbie Brown, Ray Ray's Revenge, and I find it interesting that in this research statistical data, only the F, only the World Championship of Fantasy Football is um, is is used here. So Robbie has done this a top ten overall finish uh, with only playing the World Championship of Fantasy Football. Let's take a look at him. Robbie's actually in the chat room tonight, so I'm sure he's interested in uh, the analysis that we can uh, we can bring to the table. What do you what do you see about Robbie here? Well, he's had he's he's played since '03, and he's been in the playoffs five times. He's got a number two from 08, which really definitely helps him. He's finished 21st in 04. He's finished 86, 73, and 88, which aren't great, but they are in the playoffs. And you make the championship round, you know, the playoff round, that is, uh, that's a big deal. So he's been very consistent, and that's a that's a, a significant amount of times in the playoffs, and that's definitely added to his totals. And he's, uh, he's 10th. He was actually a little higher last year or the year before. Uh, ironically, as you were saying earlier, some of these top ten performers this year had great years. And so, like, Gerzak fell a few spots, uh, Robbie fell a few spots, despite making the uh, championship round and finishing 88th in the WCFF this year, he fell a few spots. And he's a great great, uh, competitor. Absolutely. Uh, To be able to do that and, and looking at the track history, it's just very difficult to do. He he has a way and a knack and a talent for putting together solid win-loss seasons. And I've always been one um, that I've always been anti-head-to-head. I've always been a player, for whatever reason, in my draft strategy, I score a lot of points. I'm always in the point hunt, uh, but my record is never uh, attractive. And, and Robbie has found a way to do both successfully every year. That means he manages the bye weeks. He uh, he has injuries uh, backed up and everything taken care of. I don't see a losing record. Look, you, you've got um, you've got eight years of statistical data on Robbie Brown. He plays one high stakes team per year. He doesn't play multiple teams, and in eight years, he's never had a losing record. That's just absolutely incredible in this industry. Yeah, that's a yeah, good yeah. point. I didn't even notice that. Go ahead, Mike. No, I was I was just gonna uh, agree with Scott. I mean that that that's incredible. That that's one heck of a track record and uh, it's something to uh, to kind of feed off of. Uh, if you're playing in this in high stakes leagues, that's something that you have to uh, you know learn from and uh, you know maybe go with this theory. Number nine in the rankings is David Hubbard. And well, David Hubbard. Uh, a player that we all found out about this year. Uh, he, he had joined the new Football Guys Players Championship. I don't know how many times he was in it, but, but Amo, I don't know if you heard about this, but he had um, so many teams that were in the top ten. He had like five teams in the top ten near the end of the season. I mean, it was absolutely incredible what he was able to do. He hit on Vic in just about every league. He hit on, he hit on uh, Peyton Hillis. And he had like Foster, and just about all those leagues, he had those big dogs in every one of them. And he Man. had a fantastic showing in that Football Guys Players Championship, which debuted this year. However, your rankings don't even consider that contest yet. It was a brand new contest, uh, $300 injury fee, 350 Your contest considers main events. So let's talk about David Hubbard Meehan and how he's been able to achieve number nine in the world overall. Well, as you know, back in '09, he kind of broke in by finishing eighth and tenth in the WCFF with two separate teams. That, by the way, had different draft positions, so they were different teams. And he finished eighth and tenth. That, you know, vaulted him in the top 15. This year, he finished the NFFC as the 18th, and the FFPC as the 20th. So that continues to push him up up into the top. He didn't. Uh, his two teams in the WCFF, he didn't make the playoffs, so it didn't help him a whole lot. I, you know, and uh, but you know, fishing eighth and tenth in the WCFF in the same year, I thought nobody'd ever beat that. But as we're going to find out here in a little bit, somebody did this last year. You know, indeed, we did a better showing. But he's he, he's come on the scene, and obviously, he's for real. He knows what he's doing. He's uh, he's a 
very good player. Yeah, uh, eight and ten overall uh, in 2009. That's absolutely incredible. Uh, and then in 2010 in the NFFC, he was 18 overall. And in 2010 in the FFPC, he's 20th overall. So, you know, this guy absolutely has a knack for the end zone, so to speak. I mean, to be able to do what he's done, absolutely a great guy if you get a chance to meet him. Uh, that, that's a big part of this. We, we break these guys down. We want you uh, to know these names uh, so that when you get to Vegas, you can uh, you can go up knowing a little bit about your competition and who you're up against. Number eight overall in the world, according to FootballDieHards.com, David Martino, Maris Chris. This is a team that years ago I looked at his squad and I, I named him, you know, every year about week 14, uh, week 13. I like to predict who I think is going to win heading into the playoff championship round. And I predicted that Maris Chris would pull it off. And he didn't quite get the job done, but uh, what a resume David Martino has! Yeah, he uh, he's finished in the top he's top twelve three times. He finished eleventh in oh eight, five and oh seven, and twelfth in oh five in the WCFF. So obviously he's started out strong and he's contended. He was made the playoffs this year in the WCFF, finished eighty seventh and sixty uh, second overall in the NFFC. So he made the playoffs in the NFFC also. And he finished 14th uh, the year before in the NBC. So he's he's got a long career and of doing quite well, and obviously he's been in the top 10 for a few years now. And again, another player, eight, uh, seven entries, seven entries in the World Championship, not a single losing record. I mean, that's something you're just seeing from these guys. They know how to win uh, against yeah. the best of the best competition. It is humbling. Now, the next, go ahead. It is humbling. Oh, oh, absolutely. Look, the next two spots are, are interesting. Uh, they're both Big Mo. Big Mo from uh, from uh, Lonnie Graves and John Clift. Let's pull up Lonnie Graves and check out his uh, record. He made an appearance on the uh, message boards this week uh, talking about the World Championship of Fantasy Football's payout situation, and uh, he did make his presence known. He's been a, a, a big supporter of theirs in the past, and and uh, again, another guy who has a knack for getting to the playoffs. Now he he's interesting because him and his crew, he's got about. Uh, I think he's the one who has two or three guys that they got a crew going. John Cliff and another one, uh, Ken White. Uh, Ken White don't, don't doesn't partake in all the teams, but him and and uh, John Cliff play all the teams together, so they rank the same at number six. But he hasn't really, according to our data, had just started out in, in 07. He hadn't been playing that long, and he's made the playoffs. Every year he has. Uh, in 07, he finished 66 in the WCFF. In 08, he finished it, uh, 13th and 90th, so that really helped him. A 13th, he's got a 79th and an 81st in 09, and then this year he is one of his teams made 83. And the NFFC finished 52nd. So he's one of those who, you know, between 09 and 010, played eight teams. He played four and four in the WCFF, and also played one NFFC team. So he's one of those who's played multiple events or multiple teams in multiple events, which has helped him. And he's done well with it, not just played them. He's done well with it. So he is in the top ten, and six is pretty high. Uh, three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. If you have a question for Emil Cadlick, he's on the show tonight, breaking down the 2011 fantasy manager rankings for this year. At number five, we're getting the drum roll ready. We had already mentioned it earlier in the program. Uh, David Gerzak, Leroy's Aces, number five overall. Had a chance to play against Dave in the World Championship this past year, but he also had another team. Uh, he had two main event teams last year, and one of them had an absolutely incredible season. Yeah, I finished 15th last year in the WCOFF. Uh, you know, obviously Dave's a, a great player, and he really is a researcher. He's played. He's a lifer in the WCFF. The first two years, he finished fifth and seventh, 02 and 03. He finished 39th and 05, and of course 15th this year. And and that NBC, he finished first, sixth, and seventh. He finished first in 08 and sixth and seventh with two different teams in 09. So he's done it in multiple events. And he fell a little this year, which I'm sure I'm going to get an email from or something. But the competition in the top five, as we'll go through here in a minute, was phenomenal. I mean, the fact he finished 15th and went down a little bit in the WCFF 
because, you know, basically guys like Mark Deming, uh, they finished 13th, and then they also did well in the NFC, so uh, the uh, FFPC, I'm sorry. So I, I, I couldn't believe how competitive, how well the top six teams did this year, fighting it away for who'd be number one, you know, through six. He's done quite well. Again, he's another example of a uh, of a player who finds a way to win while only playing one major event. Uh, after three successful years in the or three successful entries in the NBC, uh, I mean you're talking about um, a first place finish, a sixth place finish, and a seventh place finish. I mean, <laughs> you know that, that's well, a, that's an incredible accomplishment. You win the thing one year, you win your check for a hundred grand, you come back the next year, and you finish sixth and seventh in both of your entries overall. That's a pretty nice I'm kind of curious, guys. How uh, the the five that's already been listed, how many uh, played multiple multiple events? Out of the top five? Yeah, out of oh. the five listed so far, ten through five. Oh, I don't want to go back and look. I'm uh, actually yeah. Robbie uh, just Robbie Robbie was the uh, only world championship. Dave played a couple. Uh, yeah, pretty much everybody does, but but Robbie only plays one. Yeah, yeah. Well. I mean, I was just kind of curious because, uh, you know, that just gives uh, so much more uh, solidification to that uh, particular owner and that uh, and what they do. And, uh, you know, obviously all ten of these that we're going to list are, uh, I mean, they're they're outstanding in their own rights. But uh, I, I was just kind of curious. That's why that's the only reason I asked. Yeah, and we'd be remiss in not mentioning Dave uh, Gerzak's memorable 2002-2003 run where he finished fifth and seventh overall back-to-back. That was one of the things that uh, definitely put him on the map. Uh, it's very hard to do. It's very hard to repeat that type of success, and we're still waiting for a player. Now, Chad Schroeder did win the FFPC's inaugural event and followed that back up with a main event championship in baseball. It's the first time we've seen any name crack the championship of any of these major events, and, and he did it in a multi-sport environment. We're still waiting on that guy to come back and do a repeat performance uh, inside of the same sport as well, and so maybe maybe we'll finally see that this year. Now, number four on our list, uh, I guess you could call her the first lady of fantasy football, Kimra Indy Hitters, Kimra Schleicher. Yeah, or is it yeah what a, what a, you know, you know, as I... I prefaced early on with about Mr. Hubbard finishing 8th and 10th. I thought, wow, nobody's ever going to do that. Well, she comes along and finishes 3rd and ninth in the WCFF this year. Again, two sep- two different teams with two different draft spots, and that's just that's phenomenal. I, and, of course, it, it paid off, so she jumped into the top four at number four. She's finished 6th and 05 and 10th and 03, so she's – She's done well over the years, but uh, the third and the ninth is just, uh, I just, I can't believe it. And I don't see any other, she has played with two teams in 010 and two teams in 09 in the WCFF and hasn't played any other contests I'm aware of. So uh, I'm just stunned by what she did last year. You know, you have to hit on a couple of guys, and a lot of people were afraid of Michael Vick last year. You know, he's the type of guy that if you bid your money on, he really helped out. A very, if you had a solid draft going in and picked up on Michael Vick and you were maybe weak at quarterback, that just fit into a perfect strategy. Now, I don't remember if Cameron did that or not. I think she was a Peyton Hillis owner, maybe a Foster owner. I know she absolutely loved uh, Pierre Thomas last year. I think the she nabbed is, Dwayne Vaux also. I think Dwayne Vaux is one of her picks also. Yeah, I, I went to um, – I'm glad you said that because I went to Kentucky – uh, and drafted with Yeah, Mike Wynn as well. He had a team. Dave was there. There were several uh, high-stakes players uh, that went to the Kentucky Fantasy Football, uh, the state championship draft there. And, My parole board you know, won't they, let me leave New Mexico or, or, or Nevada, so I can't go to that. <laughs> yeah, they, had, they have a $10,000 top prize and an entry into the main event of the World Championship. Kind of a nice way to uh, to win it. And I decided to get a couple of audio interviews, and I got two audio interviews. Uh, one was from Kimra, and she ended up winning the whole thing, you know. Uh, so it was kind of interesting to see that, uh, you know, I, I got the interview from her. Uh, the other guy I got the interview from, Brad Barger, 
he finished second. So the two interviews I did at the in Kentucky, they finished one and two overall. I just thought that was kind of interesting <laughs> to see that happen. So I'll get those audio interviews posted and, and kind of uh, we can oh, kind Scott, of fix the brain. You know, the, the one thing were looking at. one thing I remember about that weekend, uh, you know, just kind of spending time talking with you and uh, Kimra, and uh, obviously the rest of the crew, uh, Dave and. Uh, uh, everybody else was uh, Kimra. I mean, she was very confident about what was going to happen, and uh, you know, I can't wait to have her on the show. But uh, she knew, you know, last year was good, but this year is going to be even better. And uh, you know, she had a, a confidentiality, a confidence about her that was, uh, you know, that was mistaken. I mean, it was great. Number three in the world overall is a name we've already mentioned here today, Chad Schroeder, Cocktails and Dreams, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, I think he manages some uh, over 100 fantasy teams in the year, and like you said, it's a corporation. It's a business. He has a team of people that help him out, and uh, you have to at that stage. I don't know how you can do it, but number three overall, let's take a, a peek into Chad's 2010 year, Emil. Now, this guy is about as diverse as you can get. He finished 81st in the WCFF in 08, and he finished 10th this year. Uh, but he also, in the NFFC, he finished 7th and 25th, two different teams. And he also finished first in the uh, uh, the NFFC, what's it called, the prime time or whatnot, the, the one that used to be the NBC, finished first. He finished oh, he first. Won and he, had, he won that, according to this. I'm pretty sure, you know, I'm sure it's right. Uh, he finished yeah. first in the FF in the FFPC in 08. He finished 46th this year in the FFPC, and he also finished first in Payday back in 07 and second in the FFOC in 08, which he's still crying about because he made 100k in that. And if he didn't finished first, he'd have made a million. So every time I talk to him, he brings that up. But uh, that's a lot of uh, you know he's done well in every single contest, and and as you pointed out, he's you know he won the w, WCFB. Uh, last year, and he's done well in other baseball contests. So this guy's kind of—he's that guy who's really a professional player. If you want to say there is a professional player, this guy's the one. Also, what's interesting about him is uh, he plays—you know—a hundred some odd leagues. And he told me he doesn't even look at the free agents in leagues. He sits down and figures out who most likely will be free agents, and then bids on them in the leagues. And if they're not there, then he just doesn't pick them up because he doesn't have time to look at all the free agents. In all his leagues. Interesting. Uh, it's an incredible resume. I just posted it right here. You kind of recapped it, but just to go back, starting in the history, 2007, uh, this is Chad Schroeder, 2007 payday, number one. 2008, FFOC, number two. 2008, also FFPC, number one. 2010, NBC, number one. 2010 NFFC number seven and number 25, and 2010 WCFF number 10. It's absolutely incredible. And to think that that is the number three overall ranking, you've got, you're yeah. talking about two names at the very top of this that have to be the creme de la creme here. Number yeah. two overall, uh, go ahead and announce it, and what's your ranking? Number two overall. Hawk and roll. Mark Deming and Ian Ritchie. And they they've been all over the top three the last few years, and they and they're the they're the one where they they played the WCFF every year except for '02. They had two teams the last two years in in the WCFF, and they finished 13th this year in the WCFF, and they finished 15th in the FFPC. And in the previous past, they finished 9th, 14th, 44th, 58th, and 109th in the WCFF. So they have made the playoffs a ton of the times and finished in the top 15 three times. And that's why they're up there. That many times in the WCFF, you know, you're talking about 876 people and you finish in the top 15. Yeah. That's going to get you that's a lot strong. of points. That's very strong. Yeah, that's pretty very strong. consistent. And and only playing the WCFF except the one team in the FFPC this year, which they did finish 15th, is says a lot for their abilities because they've been doing it. Of course, the WCFF is the largest contest, so you get more points for, for, for doing well in it. But Heck of a career these guys are. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying because I look at these rankings and I try to compare them to what I just saw with Chad Schroeder, and I see six postseason playoff appearances for 
talk and roll in the biggest contest of them all. So I'm sure with that type of money on the line, seeing you uh, make the, the playoffs, the championship round at six different occasions, that is where uh, that's where his, that's why they're that's beating Schroeder the out. Yeah, but it's yeah, you know, that's why they're ahead of Schroeder. But you know, Schroeder, it's close. All those, all the top five are very close. Well, and that leaves us with number one. And uh, it's funny because we named him number one last year due to your rankings, and uh, he holds up his end of the bargain again. And the, the rankings come out, the tabulations are entered, and number one overall again is John Rosak, a chance. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too, because, you know, just putting the numbers together, you're not really watching. You're just running the numbers and doing equations and making sure the data's in there and turning cranks. And you see all these great performances, and you go, man, I wonder if Rosick is still going to stay up there and, you know, not really looking at it. Then post-mortem, you sit down and look at it, and this last year he had two teams in the WCFF. He finished 57th and 108th, so that helped him out a lot. And go over to the uh, NFFC, finished the 61st made the playoff and finished the 61st. Then the FFPC finishes 53rd. So, bingo, he stays at number one. Now, that's a great performance on top of all the stuff he'd done in the past years. He's made the top five three times. He finished fifth in 09 in the WCFF, third in 02, and fourth in 05, 16th in 08, et cetera. I mean, the guy, you don't hear much about him either, and the guy obviously is, is he's the number one player in the world. Hey, you can check out John. He is uh, he does make uh, quite a few appearances. Uh, obviously, uh, he's been on our show, but he 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 uh, makes quite a few appearances on the TNT show. Those guys uh, that are uh, up there in uh, in the rankings. But I see his uh, look. This is just absolutely incredible. Uh, John has placed third overall in the world championship, fourth overall in the world championship, and fifth overall in the world championship. <laughs> He's just missing that first and second. That's and then, you know, it's funny, he's named the number one player in the world. He's the most nonchalant guy you'll ever meet. He, he's very humble, uh, great guy. And, uh, you know, it's funny, uh, he places both of his teams in the playoffs in the world championship this year, like you said. And it's funny, though, that he uh, decides to go ahead and join into the NFFC and the FFPC this year and makes the championship round in both those leagues, too. Yeah. He had four teams in high stakes contests, two of them in the WCFF, and made the playoffs on all four of them. Wow. That's pretty good. That's, Im- that's impressive. Well, Emil, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're getting a lot of, uh, of compliments and, and praise in the chat room. These guys are just very thankful and appreciative uh, that you put in the time, the hard work, and the effort to get these rankings and to mix all of the sites together to get that harmony that we're looking for out of all the sites. And, uh, well, thank you. Very, it's not that easy, but uh, it's fun. It's a lot. It's a lot more work than I thought it would be. <laughs> but uh, well, thanks. it's fun. Yeah, Emil. Thank, thanks so much. Uh, it, it adds so much, and we love to see those rankings. And uh, the bottom line is, when you when you get uh, those folks in the top five, like John Hawk and Rose, uh, Chad, uh, Camera, Dave, you know, the bottom line is. You get six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They want to be up in that top five, so that's why we have the rankings. That's great. Another interesting guy is Matthew Bailey. You have to look at him at seventeen. He's a guy who's played a lot of different contests, and you don't hear his name much. And he's quite, quite a great player. Cool. All right, thank you. A pleasure being on the show. Yeah, thank you. Know, it looks like you've got your. Uh, it looks like you got your Facebook uh, friends that you need, uh, or one away. So we're going to implore the. Uh, the chat oh. room here and get uh, get that extra one there, and we'll uh, we'll have that task accomplished. He just launched the Facebook page, and it looks like uh, he's already got his URL. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you, yeah. Emil. Thanks again, man. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. And let's uh, let's hope that the uh, the uh, judge in uh, in uh, Minnesota roots in favor of uh, eliminating the lockout, and we got football by April fifteenth. I know it'll make things a lot easier on you and take the pressure off of all the people that uh, live and breathe uh, their their uh, their livelihood on this industry. Thanks, Emil. Take care. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Mike, that was Emil Cadillac, and uh, what a great show we just had. 20 seconds left in the program. I'll give you the uh, the last of it here, man. Hey, man, uh, great, great, uh, great show by uh, Emil. Uh, 
yourself and uh, go big blue tomorrow. Let's uh, let's finally beat Bob Huggins. Red versus blue. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.